Well, we're going to jump in and continue in our series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Practically Spiritual. Let me see if I can get my technology to reorient here. Technology is a blessing and a curse, isn't it? There we go. No, I don't want to play Angry Birds. Give me my sermon. There we go. Just wanted me to continue my game from earlier. Okay. Uh, um, We're continuing in our series that we've been in called Practically Spiritual. We've been looking at ways to access God, ways to enter into and be in a relationship with God. And how many of you would say, it is the desire of my heart to know God. It is the desire of my heart to have a relationship with God, right? Many people, uh, including myself, I want to know if there is a God, if, if He's real and He is who the Bible says He is or who Christians say He is, He's a good God, He loves me, He's my Father. I want to know Him. I want to know how to access Him. And we've been talking about ways to access God. But, but as I've said at the beginning of every message, and I'll say it again today, as much as I could ever want to access God, as much as I could ever want to have a relationship with God, He so much more wants to have a relationship with me. And so much more wants to have a relationship with you. Right? God wants a relationship with us way more than we could ever want Him. And this is evidence to us. It's, it's shown to us so clearly in the person of Jesus and in the moment of the cross that the the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life and He offered that life on behalf of you and I for our sins. He paid the penalty. Why? So that we could have a relationship with God. God so much wanted to, to, to get you in His family. You are His child. You are His son and His daughter that He literally sent His family, His son, to die on the cross for your sins. The gospel message is very simple, but it's very powerful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to give you everlasting life, an everlasting life that can start right now. I want to tell you right now, if you're here and you're just checking out church and you're coming to the theater today and you're just checking this thing out, that God brought you to this place Because he wants you to encounter the love of his son, Jesus. And you know, I don't know what the shape of your heart is. Maybe the question in your heart is is you need hope. Or the question in your heart is you're looking for peace. Or the question in your heart is, is you have a broken marriage. Whatever that is. But the answer is Jesus. That through a relationship with Jesus, you can be restored at a core level. Right? You know, I think a lot of people come and they think about Christianity that Christians are going to tell me, well, you know, you got to read your Bible and you got to go through this and do this thing and work really hard. And if you work really hard, then you'll clean your life up and then you'll be acceptable to God and then he'll kind of lead you along. And the reality is that God gives you all the greatest stuff right at the very beginning. That you can just today say, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And you know what? God is not holding any of himself back from you. You are brought into total relationship from that, that moment forward. You are a son and a daughter. God doesn't let you be a slave in his house, even a servant. He says, no, I only want sons and daughters. And yes, when you're a son or daughter, you're going to serve. My kids have chores, right? It doesn't mean that as a son or daughter that you don't ever do anything for or with God or accomplish his purposes. I mean, gosh, we're looking at our friends who are going to plant a church. They're moving away from their city. They're going to take a a financial risk. They're taking all kinds of risks to go and plant a church And they're doing that under the leading of of God, by the leading of God. But they're doing it as a son and a daughter. Not out of some kind of desire to please God or get his acceptance, but because they're in love with him and and he's called them to do that, right? 
And so, you know, whatever you're, you're at today, I just want you to know God so much more wants a relationship with you. And he's not trying to make it hard, not trying to make it difficult to come to him. And, you know, this, throughout this series, we've talked about different things, reading your Bible, learning to do that, learning how to pray. Last week, we launched into talking about hearing the voice of God. How many of you really got a lot out of last week? You know, how many of you didn't get that much out of last week? Just be honest. No, that was a terrible message. You know, you preached too long and I didn't get to the restaurant on time, like you always promise I will. But we talked last week that hearing God, it starts with understanding that God wants to start a conversation with you that never stops. He wants an ongoing relationship. We'll throw this quote up on the, on the screen here from Dallard, Dallard, uh, Dallard, Dallas Willard. Dallard Willis, yeah. Dallas Willard. He said, hearing God is but one dimension of a richly interactive relationship and obtaining guidance is but one facet of hearing God. God wants a, an interactive relationship with you and I. Not just a, hey, 1-800-GOD, what do I need to do today? You know, what, where do I go? How, what decision do I make? Should I marry this person or this person? You know, and we only look to God for kind of what we need in that moment. No, he wants an interactive relationship, right? Just like a healthy marriage, it's interactive. There's communication. It goes both ways. And you know, this aspect of hearing God, it starts there, but there's more to it than just that kind of conversational. There are those moments where you need guidance, Right? How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're like, God, please speak to me and tell me what to do? Do I go left? Do I go right? You know, is it, do I get married or do I stay a bachelor forever? All these guys, you know, we're worried about that. You know, I, I tell you, when I was getting married and I have the most amazing wife in the world, but I had the coldest feet of any person and I needed to hear God, God, am I making the right decision, right? And that's a critical moment when you're there. Huh, in that place. God, do I take this job? Lord, it, it, maybe I could do this. Or God, do I, do I start a family? All those kind of things in that specific guidance. And, you know, I grew up hearing stories about people that would talk about hearing God. And, you know, I prayed and God spoke to me and said, do this and this and then this and then this and then this will happen and then this. And they get this roadmap laid out for them. And I'd hear stories like that. And I'd go, God, I wish you would speak to me like that. And God, I, I wish that I could hear your voice that way. And, and I would feel really intimidated that I didn't hear God's voice. But the reality is I came to understand is that God speaks in so many different ways. God doesn't always speak in this audible voice. Jake, my servant, go to 7-Eleven and buy a Slurpee and then talk to the cashier and they will be gloriously saved. That very rarely happens. And I don't think that's the Lord telling me to go to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee. That's my own gluttony. But... But there's other times where I feel an impression in my spirit. I feel a, a, what we call the still small voice. Sounds like my thoughts, but feel an impression to, to go somewhere and maybe see a person. And I feel, I feel a, an impression that I'm supposed to talk to them. And sometimes those conversations have a divine kind of moment that happens. How many of you have felt God lead you this way? So I would tell you today, you know, to, to help kind of shape what we're going to talk about, that hearing God is not something to be intimidated by or to, to live in fear about, but to realize that you probably have heard God and, and realize that God speaks in, a, in many different ways and he's going to speak uniquely to you in a way that you can hear and understand and, and act upon. And so it starts with this conversational relationship, but it moves on to specifically hearing God's voice for guidance. And I think in this aspect of guidance, which we're going to talk about specifically today, many people, including myself, live in fear 
at times of missing God. How many of you have ever actually felt fear that I'm going to miss God's will? You know, I'm going to turn left and he wanted me to turn right and then now my life is just off track and it's a mess and it will never get back and it'll always be horrible. And you know, I was supposed to marry this person, but I married him and oh my God, look at him. He's a mess, you know, and I missed God. No, you, you didn't miss God. You didn't miss God. Uh, and we're, we're afraid that, that, you know, I'm going to miss him and I'm going to mess up my life and I'll never get back on track. But I want to share some scriptures to you and, and kind of not... I want to put your mind at ease and and explain the character of God to you. Paul spoke to his spiritual son, Timothy. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. The fear that you might be feeling about God guiding you is not from God. He didn't give you that spirit. He gave you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I I want to come against something in our culture. There's a tremendous amount of anxiety and worry and, and you hear all kinds of people. I mean, I hear this all the time. Oh, I'm just so, I'm panicked. And well, what's going on? You know, or is ISIS coming to your house? No, but I don't, they might. You know, did you lose your job? No, but that could happen. A meteor might hit the planet, you know. And people live in panic and anxiety. I just want to let you know, that's not coming from your father. That's coming from, that's a demonic attack against you. And you need to use this verse and say, look, my God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You need to speak to your thoughts. Thoughts come into alignment with God's word. I'm not going to live in panic and fear and be tortured by anxiety. Anxiety will be broken by the spirit of God in Jesus' name. Come on, we're not going to be, as as the sons and daughters of the king of heaven and earth, we're not going to be living in anxiety and fear and tortured and in the chains of, of this. No, God has not given us a spirit of fear. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Are you afraid of missing God? Look, you're not going to miss God if you're in a relationship with Him. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. God loves you. He will guide you. He will speak to you. He will put His impression upon your heart. And I'll just tell you this right now. You will not miss God by accident. You will only miss God on purpose. If you're living in sin and self-will and selfishness and doing your own thing and, and you're, you're planning on automatically disobeying what God would speak to you, then yeah, you can miss God. You can. But you won't miss God by accident. If you're sincerely searching Him out, if you're sincerely wanting to hear God's voice, you're not going to miss Him by accident, only on purpose. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. A relationship with God. As the good shepherd, Jesus is our shepherd. And when we have this relationship with him, it opens us up to hear his voice, to feel his touch and receive his guidance. I love this passage of scripture in Psalm 23. It's a very famous passage of scripture. You've probably heard it. You've probably seen it on uh, you know, a plate in someone's bathroom somewhere. I, I grew up in church and you, know, you, know, you could tell how oversaved someone was by the level of scripture verses they had in their bathroom, you know. You go into the bathroom and there's a candle and there's a precious moments kid looking at you <laughs> as you conduct your, your business. And, you know, you look up and, you know, if they didn't have Reader's Digest, you're like, oh, man. You know, you got to read all the verses. And they're always written in, like, the most girly cursive script, you know. <laughs> Psalm 23 is a favorite in all bathrooms around Christian households. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me. Listen to the language of guidance that we see here. He leads me beside peaceful streams. 
He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The Lord is my shepherd. When I'm in a relationship with Jesus, when I'm in this ongoing conversation that he doesn't ever want to stop, and I'm walking with him and abiding with him, he's my shepherd. He's he's leading me. Something stuck out to me in this passage of Scripture that he's leading me, and it says he guides me along right paths. And then it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, did you know that, that sometimes God actually leads you through the dark valleys and to the dark valleys? We always look at dark valleys in our life and we go, oh, this is, this is Satan, this is the enemy. Well, no, because if you're actually following Jesus, there are those moments where he says, now it's time to get through this valley. Why? Because he wants to do something in your heart and teach you to trust, teach you to follow. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. But his rod and his staff are there to protect us, to comfort us. Because God loves us, he will guide us. And so today, I want to talk about this topic of divine guidance. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go back on the website and listen to last week, because last week kind of set a stage and set up a context for what I'm going to say today. Because as we talk about specific guidance, that's really not the be-all, end-all. And I don't want to teach this message and have us as Christians just really have that kind of a 1-800-God, oh, I'll just get a hold of him when I need him. No, it starts with a relationship. This is an aspect that comes out of a healthy relationship with God. This morning, I want to teach you about what I call the guardrails of guidance. Now, I don't know about you, but when I drive down the freeway, I'm really thankful for those ugly guardrails that are on both sides. And I'm from Southern Oregon, and so to to drive up to Eugene, you know, when Bethany and I were moving up here, we did a lot of trips back and forth from Medford to Eugene, and there's all these mountains, and you go through I-5 and these twisting roads, and people are going fast, and and there's guardrails everywhere. And every once in a while, you'd see a guardrail with a giant car-sized divot in it, and you'd think, that thing did its job, right? Because instead of going off this cliff, somebody who fell asleep or had too much to drink or whatever, they went into a guardrail and it prevented them from going into a chasm or into a ravine. So I'm a big guardrail guy, right? I like guardrails. When I go to amusement parks, you know, and they put you in the harness and, you know, I don't want to go on that roller coaster that's like, you know, I want to see the rail and, and what keeps me in place, right? I like safety. And I don't really know if anybody's against guardrails, but I'm just coming out in support of guardrails today. This is politically, I can get behind guardrails, right? We need more guardrails. My platform is more guardrails. And the goal of guardrails, though, is to never need to use them. Correct? Like, if you're effectively using guardrails, you're not running into them at 65 or 70 miles an hour. And I like it because I don't know if it's always been this way, but at some point I remember that noticing that they added these new things on the road, or maybe they've always been there, but what, the sound guard, where you, on the side you have those, those uh, impressions, right? And if you go over onto it, you go... Sometimes if you're mad at your spouse and they're sleeping and you're tired, you can just kind of run it over there on those. Jesus, 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 you know. Wake her up. But again, the goal is not to use that. The goal is to stay right in the middle, Right? In between these guardrails, they give us a pathway of safety to get where we need to go, right? And and the goal is never to need, you don't want to crash into them, but they're there for you so that if you get off course, what happens? Bump, that keeps you, gets you back in line. 
Aaron and I were, were in a band, and we had a, a bass player, and he's, a, 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 it's not Matt, so this is pre-Matt as a bass player. Matt's actually a good driver, but we had another bass player. And our friend, uh, Alex, if he's listening, you're a terrible driver, Alex. And Alex would fall asleep on our band trips. So I don't know why we let him drive. I think eventually we just said, you're not driving. And I was asking Aaron, he, Aaron remembered a story about Alex. They were in downtown Seattle, or in Seattle traffic, going on the freeway, and Alex was doing this thing. And Aaron would look over at him, and he'd pretend that he wasn't falling asleep, and then slowly droop down. And I remember many times Alex finding those sound barriers multiple times as he was drifting off into pleasant sleep, you know. You heard, you heard about, you know, my grandpa, I want to I go out like him. He died peacefully in his sleep unlike the nine passengers in his van. <laughs> da, da, da. And so we're always talking to Alex, stay in the middle! Wake up! Don't use, you don't need to use those sound guards. Stay awake. Those guardrails are there to guide us. And the Lord has given us guardrails in our life. Things that are there to keep us on a straight path. Those guardrails are, number one, principle. And number two, the prophetic. Say it with me. Principle, the prophetic. And those represent general and specific guidance. Between those two things in our life, the principle that we find in God's Word and the prophetic guiding of His Holy Spirit speaking individually to us or through circumstances, situations, or other people. In the middle of that, in the middle of the road there, there's a safety that keeps you on course, being guided, going where God wants you to go. So we're going to talk about the guardrails of guidance today. Many people who say, I've never heard God speak to me. I wish I'd hear God speak to me, but he doesn't speak to me, are oftentimes not taking into account that God has spoken a tremendous amount in his word. Does anybody have an analog Bible, an old analog Bible? Yeah. All right, because I use my iPad, so I need an analog Bible. Come on, hit me up with this, Larry. Thanks. What an awesome Bible, man. That's used right there. That's, that's, where it should, that's how it should be. God has given us this document, and it's full of his words. If you've said, I've never heard God speak to me, but you've never cracked this book, then, then put, put, put that thought away and get in his word and hear what God has, has to say on the vast majority of issues in life. Come on. Get in God's Word. Principle that is found in God's Word. So much of what God wants to say and is speaking to us that will guide us is in His written Word. You know, it's interesting when you talk about important transactions, when, when I need to do something uh, with large amounts of money or I need to, to open an account or close an account, what you will often see is this language. We need it in writing. Right? If this is an important thing, we need it in writing. And I want to tell you that God has some tremendously valuable and tremendously important things to say to you and I. And he, he needed to put it in writing. He put it in his word so that it would, could never be perverted, so that it could never be changed. It could never be, uh, you know, turned aside. It was put in writing so, there as, as one of the guardrails of guidance for us to, to hear what God has to say about so much of life, to teach us how to think and that is one aspect of how God wants to guide us. If you've said, I don't hear God speak to me, I want to encourage you to get into his word. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light 
for my path. Probably 90% of guidance questions, where should I go, what should I do, should I do this, should I do that, are answered in the Bible by the principles that you find there. Probably 90%. You know, most of the questions that people come to me, Pastor Jake, will you pray for me? Should I do this thing? You know, I I had a a person come and say, you know, this person wants to, to marry me, but... We, you know, we'll have to live together and there's some circumstances and it won't allow us to, to get married, but we'll, we'll kind of, we'll feel married. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, like, I understand, but no, the, that's, that would be called, you know, you're planning on having a sexual relationship. The Bible calls that sin. So it, don't do it. Well, what about my circumstances are different and unique? No, I'm sorry. The principle in the word says, don't do it. The guidance was already there. There's already a guide rail, right? Or a guardrail. 90% of questions, is it, is it sin? If somebody, if you're like, hey, should I, should I rob this store? Maybe God really wants me to do it. No, the Bible says don't do it. So that question is answered, right? Uh, is, it, is it sin? Is it unwise? Is it against God's word? Then the answer is no. But I love this. Well, I'm different. My circumstance, no, no. If it breaks the principle of God's written word, it's a no-go. Don't do it. It will never pay off. Maybe short-term it will, but long-term it will not. Do not run into the guardrail of principle. Don't slam into it and try to break through and go off a cliff. That is there to protect you, to guide you, to keep you on the right track. Now, if we are reading the scripture, if we are following the principle that we find in scripture, if we live our lives fulfilling God's will as revealed in the Bible, we will be properly positioned to receive the other guardrail of guidance, specific guidance, the prophetic prophetic guidance that God has for us. I want to read you a story out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And this is a guy named Paul. He was a a missionary and a church planter and an apostle. And Paul and his friend Silas, it says in verse 6 of Acts 16, traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. And you know exactly where that's at, right? I have no idea. Because, listen to the language of guidance here, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. The Holy Spirit had prevented them. And then it says in verse 7, Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Okay, now listen, this is the language of guidance that's going on here. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, let me unpack this a little bit. Three times we see specific prophetic guidance for these men that are looking to go to certain locations, right? Now, what's happening here, though, is that Paul and Silas are fulfilling God's will found in the scriptures to go into all the world and make disciples, They're going out. They're preaching the gospel. They're planting churches. They're trying to find people, tell them about Jesus. They're doing the right thing. Would you agree with me? How many of you as followers of Jesus would agree that it is our responsibility because of the command of Christ, the the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples? And so what are they doing? They're living their life in fulfillment of what God has already spoken in his word, right? When somebody's out uh, going to the soccer game with their kids, being a good dad, you're fulfilling the principle of Scripture. You're on the right track, aren't you? When a, when a mom is, 
is, uh, you know, raising her kids and teaching them God's word, she's on the right track. When you're sharing your faith with a neighbor, when you're helping the poor, when you're serving at church, when you're, when you're living as God has called you to live in his word, in scripture, you are doing the right thing. You're on the right track. Would you agree with me? And this is where Paul and Silas are at. They're going and they're preaching, but they get to this area and they're going to be moving forward into this other uh, land here. And it says, the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there. Prophetic, specific guidance. I don't know how God spoke to them in that moment, but obviously it's prophetic guidance. Maybe he spoke to their heart or they just had an impression we're not to go here. So they turned to go this way. No, you can't go this way. Okay, let's go this way. And they have a vision. Come over here. The Lord leads them specifically to go to a particular area, to Macedonia, and preach the good news there. Paul and Silas were pursuing the general will of God, the principle, right? And thus able to be guided specifically by the prophetic. Now, I can't emphasize this enough. Those that want to be guided prophetically who ignore being guided by principle will not be positioned properly to be guided prophetically. This is what we like to do. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to, you know, do what I want to do and and I'm going to get this job and that and I'll just kind of live and, oh, I got in trouble. God, please direct me. God, I need your guidance right now. No, you've ignored the, the, the guardrail of principle. It works together, Right? Now, God is merciful. Can God speak in those moments even when we've blown through principle? Absolutely. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. But I'm talking about law of averages. You want to live a wise life. You want to really learn how to be guided by God. Get in between the guardrail of principle and the guardrail of prophetic. Those that will be guided by the general will of God in principle, following what's already laid out in the scriptures, will be positioned properly to be guided specifically and prophetically by God. So these two things together are the guardrails of guidance. And I can't tell you enough how many times in my life that in between these places, I was able to find specific guidance. Because when I, when I took what I felt like I wanted to do or a decision that I needed to make and I lined it up against principle, many times I knew, oh, I, I don't need to go that way. That kept me off the rail. It kept me off of, of a problem. And then, and then other times when maybe that I was in the principle and the will of God, Then all of a sudden there was clarity from the prophetic. There was times where a person would come and give me a word or there was a time where God would illuminate a scripture verse and it would speak to my heart and I would know what I was to do or I would feel peace about a particular decision or a lack of peace about a particular decision and God would guide me prophetically. But it's within these guardrails that we'll find success in God guiding us. So finishing up today, how do we put this into practice? You guys getting something out of this? How do we put this into practice? Number one, we need to dedicate ourselves to God's general will as revealed in the Bible. We need to flee sin, right? Scripture tells us to flee youthful lusts. We need to pursue good. We need to love God. We need to be faithful to our spouse, right? Come on, how many of you think like faithfulness to your spouse is a good idea? Even in America, right? You know, it's crazy. You're watching a TV show. And it's so rare to see a healthy relationship between a husband and a wife on TV. There's almost, you, don't, you almost never see it. And you don't see it too often in culture either. But as we follow principle, come on, that's a good idea. Be faithful to your spouse. Be a good dad. Be a good mom. How about share your faith? Share your faith. I hear a lot of people, well, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. God's not really speaking to me. I, you know, when I grew up, I wanted to be a cowboy or an astronaut, and that didn't happen, so... 
You know, race car driver eluded me, so, you know, go share the gospel. There's too many bored Christians. Plant a church. That's not boring. It's not. <laughs> go share your faith with your neighbor. You need a little adrenaline? Bake him, a, bake him some cookies and go share Jesus with somebody, right? Why are you bored? Why, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do today. I don't have any plan. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Why don't you engage with the scripture and see an incredible life that God has designed you to live for relationship with him and mission in the world that he's placed you in. You have within you the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Get out there and do something with your life. Follow the scriptures. Read the book of Acts and see men and women that were normal people that allowed the Holy Spirit to come and captivate their hearts that went in and turned the world upside down. Dedicate yourself to the general will of God as revealed in the Bible. I'm just so bored. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't have any plans. Come on, there's so much in God's word to work on. So much in God's word to guide you. God has already spoken. And you're waiting for him to yell from heaven, don't do it. Come on. Get in principle. Dedicate yourself. Get excited about it. I, I get excited to read the Bible. I've read it through cover to cover many times and I'm still excited to read because God is speaking. The creator of heaven and earth has spoken in his word. Number two, walk in relationship with God. Jesus said, my sheep, they know my voice. Many people, I think God's speaking to them and they don't recognize his voice because they do not live in relationship with him. You know, it, there's something about the people that are the closest to you that you can hear their voice and you know who it is, right? You know, a lot of times in a crowded room, if my wife's having a conversation, I can hear her voice even amidst the noise because there's intimacy and I know the sound, the inflection, how she speaks. I hear her voice. Many people couldn't pick God out of a lineup if, if he was standing right in front of them because they've ignored him or they've listened to so many other voices and there's so much noise in their life that God is like, hey, 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 and, and, there's, and there's an inability to hear. Why? Because there's no relationship. When there's a relationship with God, you'll be able to hear his voice. Is God to you nothing more than, than something that you want to put a, a 25 cent religious piece in and get an answer back? You know, do, 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 do. is this 1-800-GOD? Hey, I need some help. What do I do? That will help me get that promotion? Great. Thanks. Bye. Click. That's how a lot of people think about God. That's not a relationship. To really get into this hearing God thing, to really get into this relationship, it, it takes more than just moment, to station to station relationship with God. Abide in His presence. Pray without ceasing, as Paul tells us. Walk in relationship with Him. My sheep, they know my voice. Number three. Put your trust in Jesus as your shepherd. And I want to unpack what a shepherd is. You know, you can't have more than one shepherd. Some, someone either is the shepherd of the, the flock or they're not, right? And Jesus, he, he uses this analogy to describe himself and how he wants to, to uh, interact with and lead his people. He says, I am the, the good shepherd. I, my sheep, they, they, know my, my, they hear my voice and I... I, I know them, and they know me. We're in relationship. Put your trust in Jesus as your shepherd, your only shepherd. I want to speak to two groups of people, two audiences that are here this morning. Number one, there's those of us that have followed Jesus, and we count ourselves as 
his disciples, we, we are Christians. Do you have multiple shepherds in your life? Or is Jesus really only your one and only shepherd? Because many times as Christians, you know, we use our faith as our last resort as opposed to our first response. We, we listen to the voices of psychologists and the voices of teachers and the voices of experts. You know, someone's an expert because they know how to set up a website. And we listen to them about parenting and we listen to them about marriage and we listen to them about sex and we listen to them about relationships and we listen to them about fitness and, and we have all these other voices, all these shepherds, right? And then when those things don't work out as they often do not, or always do not, then we go, oh, well, I guess I should have really asked Jesus what he thinks about this. That's not what a shepherd is. The shepherd is leading. The shepherd is leading. You know, what we often do is we go, well, I'm going to take step one, two, three, four, and then I'll ask Jesus what he thinks about step five. That's not Jesus as your shepherd. I love what Moses said in the, back in the book of Exodus. He was leading the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And they would wait. And he said, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, we won't go. Basically, until God, until you move, we don't move. Do you have the patience and the trust in Jesus as your shepherd to say, I'm not going to move until he moves? I'm not going to go get, a, get this job until I ask him or until I wait for him to lead me and guide me? You see, this is where the rubber meets the road, Christians. Who is your shepherd, really? You see, you could pray a prayer one time and say, Jesus, I trust in you. And then you can live your entire life unsubmitted, following any shepherd that you like the sound of their voice. But there's a good shepherd that cares about your soul, that will lead you and guide you, who has a rod that will, a staff that will comfort you and lead you and guide you. Is Jesus really your shepherd? Or is it something else or someone else? Or is it optional when it feels good or when it, when it hits you the right way? Who is your real shepherd? And the second audience I want to speak to this morning is any person in this room that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that this whole environment is, is built and constructed for you. You go, well, isn't this church here, you know, to worship God? Absolutely. But as we worship God we, and we honor God, let me just tell you, Jesus told us that he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And I want to tell you right now that everything today that's here is for you, that you would come to a, a faith and a trust relationship in Jesus. And right now, you have the opportunity to accept Jesus and choose him as your shepherd. He's actually been already leading you and guiding you even to this moment. Maybe you don't realize it, but in your life, but he's been there watching out for you, always seeing over you when you sleep and calling out for you. He's a shepherd that wants to bring you into his flock and guide you and lead you lovingly in the pathways that he's prepared for you. And I just want to make an opportunity available for any person today that wants to put their trust in Jesus. And I don't know what your story is. I want to hear it. But I don't know at this moment where you come from. Maybe today you're here and there's, you're addicted to, to some kind of a drug or alcohol. Maybe today you, you know, you're a broken marriage. Maybe your family's a mess. I don't know where you are. But I can just tell you right now that the answer is to enter into a relationship with Jesus and allow him to begin to lead you and guide you in his pathways.